this is going to come as a surprise to you because you're going to say he doesn't look that old. But <laughs> I, I first became a pastor, a student pastor, in 1984. Uh, I, was a, uh, I was in my second year of seminary, and it was at this little teeny church just outside of Freeport, Illinois, if you've ever heard of Freeport, Illinois, um, and it was called Florence Station United Methodist Church. I was there for a year while I finished up seminary. When I think about it, I was like 23 years old at the time, and I thought, why would anybody want me to be their pastor? Because I'd only been a pastor for like, or I'd only been a Christian for about six years, and now I was going to be a pastor for this little church. But they accepted me and they loved me, and actually they did a lot to train me up, to be honest with you. After I graduated from seminary, I, I became the pastor of um, a, a two-point charge, and for those of you who don't know what that is, it's, there were two little teeny churches that weren't big enough to support a pastor on their own, so they kind of came together. And I was the pastor of both of those churches at the same time. After that, I became an associate pastor at a big church in West Des Moines. After that, I became a senior pastor for four different churches until in 2000, I think it was either 2017 or 2018, I probably my start date was 2018, I became the pastor of Prairie Bible. Somebody say Amen. Now you hear all that, and some of you may be thinking, man, Pastor Craig must have a hard time holding on to a job. <laughs> I prefer, however, to think of it as I have had the privilege over the course of the last 35, 40 years to be um, in ministry to and in relationship with a lot of good and godly people. And I, I mean that sincerely. Now, I share that with you this morning because as I was, um, for those of you who are guests or visitors with us, we here at Prairie Bible this year are um, studying um, Paul's letters to the Corinthians. We've been on a journey all year long um, through First and Second Corinthians, and we're continuing that today. We're in chapter 8, by the way. And as I was studying for the sermon this week, all of a sudden I had this realization that Paul and I have something in common. And that is that he and I both, uh, throughout our career, um, didn't get to spend our career in one place with one group of people. We traveled around a lot. And to be honest with you, um, that was a hard life for me and my family. Um, but at the same time, it was a blessing because of everything that I just said before. And I was reminded of that blessing. And you're a part of that blessing, by the way. I was reminded of that blessing this week when I read um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, when the Apostle Paul began reminiscing with some of his friends um, about people that he had met over the years and the blessing that they were to him and how he wanted, through his testimony, them to be a blessing to them as well. So today, as we look at our passage of Scripture, I want you to see it through that lens, that blessing that I was able to experience and Paul was able to experience, because that blessing will have a lot to do with the lesson that God wants you to learn today. So if you have your Bibles, open them up. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to start this morning at verse 7, by the way. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I think that's on 1,149, thank you, Everett, of the um, church Bibles, if that's what you're using. I want to start at verse 7 because in this verse, 
Paul is um, outlining for us characteristics or character traits uh, that all Christians should aspire to. In verse 7, he says that every Christian should excel in faith. That's a good one. That's a no-brainer. Nobody's going to argue with that. Um, That's probably going to be at the top of the list for most people if you're coming up with the character traits for Christians. We need to excel in faith. The next thing he says is that we should excel in um, our speech. Basically what he's saying is that the language that we use, the way we talk to people should honor God rather than dishonor God. That makes sense too, I suspect. He says that we should excel in knowledge. What he's saying there is that we should grow in our understanding of God, in our discipleship. We should be excelling in that. That should be our aspiration. Um, He says that we should grow in earnestness. It says in uh, the ASV, which basically means we as Christians, should strive to be people of integrity. And finally, he says, we should excel in love. Now, that is a wonderful list of Christian characteristics. And, but what I want you to notice is that Paul never intended that list to be exhaustive. These are not the only character traits that Christians should aspire to. And Paul kind of alludes to that fact by, by at the very end of the verse when he kind of says there's another grace that you should live into. What is that other grace, that other Christian attribute? Well, to answer that question, go back to the very beginning of the chapter. So, here at the beginning of the chapter, the Apostle Paul is um, introducing his brothers and sisters in Corinth to some friends that he had met over the course of his life. And he refers to them as the churches of Macedonia. Now, on the surface, that may not mean a lot to you, but if you've read your Bible at all, you will recognize who these churches are. Um, there's actually three of them. There is the church in Philippi. We have a, there's a letter in the Bible to the church, the Philippians, right? There, it is, there is the church of Thessalonica. We have two letters in the Bible to them, the first and second Thessalonians. And then if you look, I think it's like in Acts chapter 12, I'm not sure, somewhere in there, he refers to, there's another church in Macedonia or the region of Macedonia that Paul has had the privilege to be pastor to in Berea, the Berean church. And the Berean church, if you remember back in the book of Acts, the thing that made them notable was that they were in love with the Scripture. They, want, they sought the Scripture both day and night to understand the mysteries of God. Well, as you read uh, 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, what the, you soon get the, the idea that Paul loved these people and they loved him, which is great. But not only did he love them, but he was very proud of them as well. He says, look real close at verses 1 and 2. He says, he says I, I need to tell you about some friends of mine. They are awesome. They, um, these, these folks in the churches of Macedonia, Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea, these folks, even though their lives were filled with affliction, I mean, they, were, they struggled, there was stuff going on in their life. Anybody, all of us can relate to that, right? They had things in their lives that were afflictions. They were struggling. And even though they were experiencing severe poverty, 
with an abundance of joy. Listen to this. So he's setting these folks up. He wants you to understand. He's trying to give you a character sketch of who these people are that he loves so much. He said, they're afflicted. They are severe. They're experiencing severe poverty. But it is with an abundance of joy that they excel. They excelled in generosity. Did you hear that? They were afflicted and they experienced poverty, but with joy, they embraced the grace of generosity. Now, a lot of people might say, well, that didn't even make sense. If I was afflicted with whatever it is that I'm afflicted with and I'm, I'm poor, what do I have to be joyful about? Or how can I certainly be generous? But that's exactly what was going on here. And, and Paul is blown away by them. In fact, he says, what are you guys doing? Come on. Listen, you're, you're, the stuff you're going through, you're going through some hard stuff. Just take care of yourself. God will understand. Just take care of yourself. And they said, no! We want to be generous. In fact, look at verse 4 real quick. Look, what does verse 4 say? In verse 4, it says that they literally begged Paul when he said, no, don't, we, we don't want you. When they heard that there were brothers and sisters of the faith that were struggling and needed some support, they, they begged Paul, let us be generous with them. Paul says, no, no, no. Yes, let us be generous. Don't steal this, this gift from us. Let us be generous so that's why Paul says, as he's listing out these things, now this is all going to come together and make sense for you. Verse 7 makes sense. When he says, it's a great thing for you to want to excel in faith, and it's a great thing for you to want to grow in discipleship and to be a person of integrity and to love. Those are all wonderful things, but don't forget about generosity. Because, listen to me, what he was, basically what he was trying to say in giving you this testimony of his friends there in Macedonia was that, did you know that you were called as a Christian to be Jesus to the world? You know that, right? If the thing that will cause the world to pay more attention to you than almost anything else is the Christian attribute of generosity. The world probably isn't it's a good thing, it's a, but the world probably isn't going to be all impressed with the fact that you know all the books of the Bible. I'm, I'm glad that you know all the books of the Bible. I hope you do. I be a good thing. But that's not what they're going to be impressed with. They might, might not even be impressed by the fact that you don't use the Lord's name in vain. That's a good thing. But I'll guarantee you that they, even if they don't like you, they will be impressed by your generosity, if you are. Because they can't help but be. If you were listening to Tom earlier in the service, you'll know that we here at Prairie Bible, um, every month, have a mission spotlight. And um, we try to um, focus on a particular missionary, mission or missionary partner every month just so that folks know um, how we are partnering with folks all around the world to be Jesus to the world. Well, this, this month, 
During the month of August, we, our mission spotlight has been to gather school supplies for um, some underprivileged neighborhoods in Cedar Rapids, schools in particular that are in underprivileged neighborhoods, so that kids, those kids would have the supplies that they need to succeed this year, right? And you folks have given generously towards that. In fact, Cheryl, uh, my friend Cheryl Lehman is the chair of our administrative board here at Prairie Bible. And um, by the way, they're the ones that kind of coordinate and facilitate our mission focus. That's one of the things they do. Um, she said that, what, Cheryl, did we have like over 100 backpacks given? Those are, things are not cheap, I know that. And not to mention all the, the paper and the markers and the glue and everything else that you donated, which is awesome. Thank you for it. But what I wanted you, this is a story. Cheryl called me earlier this week, and we were talking about a couple of things, but she told me this story. She was out distributing all of that stuff that you gathered, and she stopped at one of those schools and, uh, to give them some supplies. What she didn't know was that the lady that she was giving the supplies to was sitting in her office worrying because she knew that there was more need in the neighborhood than she had supplies. Right, Cheryl? So she was, she was going, what am I going to do? I mean, can you imagine kids coming, they're coming to school, right, to get their, their stuff, and, and you're the last one in line and there's not enough? Can you imagine? Can you imagine being the person who's trying to, and you not being able to give it? Well, she, was, she knew that there wasn't enough until Cheryl showed up with your stuff. Yeah. And she started to cry, didn't she, Cheryl? What do you think she was crying about? Well, yeah, you, you, some people might think, well, she, she, might have been, she might have been crying because of your acts of faith, maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe she was crying because you're such a good Bible scholar, Everett. Doubt it. But I'll guarantee you that one of the reasons that she, the tears were brought to her eyes was because of the generosity that you all exhibited. I have no idea, and I don't know if Cheryl knows either, whether or not this woman is a Christian or not. I don't know if she knew that your generosity was spurred by Jesus in your life, but she knows it now. Your testimony was heard by her because you were generous. You understand? The world will pay attention to the gospel when the church is generous. They may not be impressed by your faithfulness. They may not be impressed by your integrity. But they will be by your generous, your generosity. So, as you come forward to receive communion this morning, I have a question that it, to, uh, for you to ask yourselves personally. I want you to ask yourself personally this question. Am I known for my generosity? Because according to the Scripture, 
you should be begging to, to be known for it. Amen.